Welcome to Talking Baseball. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. We got a fun conversation with Cubs, super utility, super pinch hitter, super player, Ian Happ. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Talking Baseball. My name's Jimmy. I got Jake with me. Got Trevor Plouffe with me. What's your middle name, Peter? Patrick Hall. Patrick. Trevor Patrick Plouffe and big baby David producing. We just wrapped up a conversation with Ian Happ, which is really fun. I actually thought uh, there's a lot of insight gained of actual his brain and baseball stuff, Trev. And I like that your question, which I'll let the audience know is coming, of why the fuck were you in the minor leagues last year, which can be considered a weird question to ask a guy, but I think uh, you went about it the right way, and his answer was pretty honest and awesome. Well, I mean, we know the Cubs have a history of doing things for service time manipulation. But, yeah, you know, like the big the big thing for me with him is, you know, you just look at his numbers and how consistent he was in the minor leagues, brought it to the big leagues, and all of a sudden he spends 100 games in 2019 at the AAA level. That doesn't make any sense to me. So, you know, I just wanted to see what his thought process was. You know, they gave him a reason, which teams always do. But, you know, I wanted to see, like, if it was legit. Yeah, and my – Trev, uh, again, I, I, I told you this last episode with uh, Hearn – uh, just uh, fluff, a word you're going to hear in the interview a little bit. When, when you tell Hap that his next, you know, three, four, five years are going to be, you know, the, the prime, just stretch it out a little more for them. You know, tell them the next seven, let, 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 let them dream a little bit. No, you know? we don't want to. I'm not a liar. It's probably, <laughs> I mean, look, once you get to 30, it's tough, bro. No, you're telling me sister. <laughs> um, my back's still feeling it, but, uh, but he, yeah, man, he was he's good. A, I, I'll say this. He, he's got a podcast, which we mentioned on there, The Compound. And I like kind of his delivery. Like, he's a little coy, a little real. He's looking to make a joke or two if it's there. But I'm, uh, I'm interested to see. He was cool. Cool. All right. Well, here's the interview, and then we'll, we'll come back to you right afterwards. We are joined by former Cincinnati Bearcat, current Cub, the Happer, Ian Happ. How you doing, brother? Fantastic. Thanks for having me, boys. Thanks for coming Bearcat. on, man. Is that a real animal? It's a real animal. It exists. They bring it from the Cincinnati Zoo to the games, put it in a little oh. cage. It's one of like the 50 fans that they get for Cincinnati baseball <laughs> games when the team was winning <laughs> 20 games when I was there. Uh, it's a scary looking thing, though. It's not very big. It's just scary. Looking. Ooh, it is. I, I've oh never God. even thought to Google it or ask if it was a real animal. Now that I'm looking at it, not too hot. It's pretty ugly. No, no it's a freaky looking thing. They have like a really big <laughs> statue on campus that makes it look like like some sort of wildebeest. It is not that. It is it's just like a badger. Small, yeah, some sort eyes. of like cat badger. Yeah. Did, right. you, did you guys enjoy that? Like when they bring the bear cat or <laughs> some guys like, hell yeah, the bear cat's coming. Yeah, nobody really got too hyped up about the bear cat. Maybe if it was if it was like a massive creature that was terrifying, but it's not. It's it's not very intimidating. It kind of like they're just bringing a rodent into the locker room. That's basically it. Yeah, yeah. It's Are something you, uh... that you would shoo you would shoo away. You wouldn't be scared of it. You'd be like, get out of here. 
Are you a are you a proud Cincy guy? I, I ask this because I'm a giant UConn fan, grew up in Connecticut, and that's our pro sports team. And UConn Cincinnati for any college basketball fans, I mean, those games go back years and just hard nosed, well coached, Calhoun, Huggins, McCronin. Um, so did were you I, I guess did you just get looped into that culture when you went there a little bit? Yeah, definitely when you're there, when you're on campus. The cool thing about Cincy is all the sports fields are on campus. So like the baseball field, your your right field wall pretty much right behind the fence is the basketball arena. And then past center field, left field is the football stadium. And so they're all right on campus, um, which is really cool when you become a, you know a huge UC Bearcat sports fan. Uh, since leaving, I can't say that I'm like watching every single game and like crying when they lose and breaking TVs. But uh, but I do like to see them do well, um, and definitely like to support them. I like that. Do you hate Do you hate them, Jake? Is that what you're getting at? No, 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 no. I wasn't saying that. They 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 genuinely have like a good like friendly rivalry. Like if one team's up or the other team's down, they're still gonna play a good game. The one thing I was gonna mention as a quick jab, and I mean I do have my Jake sucks hat on. Uh, Is that Huskies the, would I think, kick a Bearcat's I, ass. I think the year after, or maybe, or maybe you can loop me in on this, or if you remember this one, I think it was the conference tournament, uh, 2015, 2016, Jalen Adams hit like a fourth overtime, 80 foot shot. That's one of the craziest shots I've, I've ever seen on a basketball court. Um, I was watching live in Dallas and a Cincinnati Bearcat guy was actually going down the street celebrating cause he thought they won cause they hit a buzzer beater. And then UConn hit one back. It, it was one of the more nuts college games I've ever talked about. So you don't have to talk about that. But if you'd like to, it's there. That's an example of Jake being a way bigger fan than me. And like, okay. I'm sorry. I I'm don't sorry. even know about that moment. We're used to that. Out. We can go to baseball. Uh, that happens all the time with us. He starts talking about a game. And this sounds like a big excited. game. So maybe, you know, we should know about it. But Jake is a very, no. he's very much the biggest sports fan on this on this no. pod. So thanks, Trev. It's par for the course. Worst baseball player, biggest sports fan. Yes. Well, you're putting yourself worse than me. That was nice of you. I got to fluff everyone up a little bit. Everybody <laughs> needs a good fluff. How's 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 uh, life been without baseball for you? Do you have you know secondary hobbies that you're like, all right, great, now I can go knock knock this out. I can up my fishing game or something. Or are you just lost? We've been doing a lot. So I actually am in a house with three other teammates. So it's it's a pretty incredible house. I um, am very fortunate. I have a family friend who lets me stay here during spring training. So I have the guest house, which is you know basically a house in itself. And the other three guys are in the main house. Uh, we have a tennis court. We have basketball hoops. We have a putting green. Uh, we turned the garage into our weight room, stole a bunch of weights from the Cubs. Um, we have a pool. So it's been a very easy quarantine for us, uh, yeah. but we start, we started a podcast, uh, which, yes. has been a, which has been a fun hobby, um, learn how to do that. And then a bunch of golf. I, I've really gotten into tennis, like really taking up tennis as a sport. Uh, and it's, and it's a wonderful workout. Let me tell you something. This is, what's the word I'm looking for? Serendipity. Is that a yeah, word? Yeah. Like a happy accident. Serendipity is like a happy accident. My wife played high, high school tennis. She's always trying to get me to play tennis. I'm like, dude, like, I am sick of playing sports. I don't want to do anything. I want to watch football. I, I want to watch baseball. But she's got me out of the house to play tennis recently, just the last two days, dude, and I love it. Tennis I, is awesome. Are you any good? Like, Can you give me some tips? I am just 
I'm not. I can, I'm not good. I can say, uh, you know, I've been playing tennis for about eight weeks now, nine weeks. Okay. Um, gotten a lot better since I started. Uh, but I think the YouTube videos is just just go to YouTube. Just okay. watch as many YouTube videos as you can. I, technique is a huge like it's a huge part of tennis. It's like what's I, interesting I, is my backhand is good. I do the two-handed backhand and I'm good at that mm. for some reason. Yeah. But my forehand, like I gotta like do the thing where it's like you bring it up and like have your hand there. Yeah, there's there's just so much that goes into the technique and like you have to feel like you're hitting it straight down. Like creating topspin is tough. Serving oh, is weird. very hard. Uh, I your, back, the, your backhand is just your swing, Trev, right? You were a righty, so your backhand the, is your baseball swing? Doesn't no, that make dude. a lot of sense? That's no, the backhand will be my left-handed swing. Okay. So my, right. so my forehand's baseball swing, but, like, you got to – it's just a different – it's a different thing. Because in baseball, you're, like, you're pushing out and trying to keep your – this tennis, it's the opposite. You're trying to create topspin. Unless you were, like, really good at hooking balls over the third baseman's head, like, you're just – that's yeah. all you're trying to do. You're trying to – hit it right into the ground it's a much different concept but i've i've really enjoyed it okay look i'm just saying maybe in the future let me work on my game a little bit you keep working on your game a, a little, little match. bit i could see a match in the future i like that why don't you do like nadal he was raised like his dad made him play tennis the wrong way right because he's a natural righty so he's got a great backhand so trev just play tennis lefty you'll have a fantastic backhand it'll be your swing I okay. Whatever. A lot of weird tennis spins. A lot of weird that's, tennis spins. That's early. great strategy out of me. I I can loop this to baseball because I can't Come on. segues. Switch hitting. Do the switch yes. hitting. <laughs> you got okay. it, Jim. And that's uh I let's we'll start working our way up your baseball path. We got tennis and bearcats out of the way. What um when does the switch hitting start? Because that's every baseball person's question. Is yeah. you know, did did you have someone force it on you? Were you into it? Did it just happen one day? What What's your switch hitting story? Yeah, so I was a natural righty. Um, my brother is six years older than me, and he played uh, D1 ball at Duquesne University in Pittsburgh. Um, so when he was 14 and I was eight, he tried to switch hit. Uh, did not stick with it. Didn't, didn't work for him. But I was eight years old, so I could do it um, and just worked on it for a long time. Uh, in the cage and then like if we were up big in the game I would jump over hit left-handed uh, and actually um, freshman year of high school was when I was like all right full-time I'm doing this I'm committing to it uh, and I never looked back from there I had a college coach my freshman year tell me my left-handed swing wouldn't work and try to make me hit right-handed in a false scrimmage uh, hated that and but besides <laughs> that haven't uh, I haven't looked back so don't you, don't you love the coaches that don't believe in you? I just love that. Those those yeah, are the best they were, coaches. They recruit you to like come play for them, and they're like, "But I don't think you're good enough." Unreal. Everyone's so, got one of those stories. Yeah. As a switch hitter, like, do you ever have doubts or like? I know that there's been some switch hitters who like were struggling from one side but not the other, so then they just went and stayed with one. And mm -hmm. to me, it's like the options that a switch hitter has there would kind of maybe, maybe mentally cripple me if I was going through like, Oh my God, where's that? Where if when, you know, if you're just a righty, Hey, there's only one thing to focus on. And uh, I know Mark Teixeira said he lost his swing from both sides of the plate every off season and had to find it. Sometimes you find one, the other. So like, do you have different mindsets depending on what side of the box you're in? Definitely. And I try to treat it uh, as two different people. Um, and, and you're going to get more left-handed bats than right-handed bats, just how it's going to happen. And especially in the division that, that we've played in for the last three years, 
there hasn't been any left-handed starters in the central like at all so you just get so many right-handed at bats um and like when you go play when we would go play the west a couple years ago and you had the dodgers had four left-handed starters and the rockies had two or three and uh you would just be like oh my god like these are lefties i don't even know what they look like so you hadn't taken uh, a right-handed at bat for three weeks and now you're thrown on the fire and that's one of the things that like i've learned a lot since since coming up is how to maintain that swing when you have to get on the machine um, and it is a lot of extra work, but it's something that I've always thought whenever I start doubting it or, or going bad, I always think, you know what, that bastard lefty that's coming in thrown from behind you, like, I'd rather not face him left-handed. So that's, I think that's one of the things that, that keeps me going. Are you one of the guys that, um, I think it was Hicks who I played with that did this. He's also a switch hitter. Um, and he would, against knuckleballers, would bat right-handed i believe right-handed knuckleballs he bat right-handed is that something that you do and if you do like I, I never understood why i've never tried it but i have you know playing for joe madden uh he would suggest to zobrist some guys to hit same side against so i've seen zoe go same side against some guys um, just because... knuckleballers or just like pitchers no no, no. In general? just normal pitchers because the splits were so sure like same side the only guy that I've really considered it and I haven't faced him since I started considering it was Kershaw because I'm 0 for 6 with six punch outs against Kershaw. So <laughs> I think it can't get any worse. It can't get worse. I might just go left because his cutter to a righty is so devastating and lefties handle his, you know, his heater slider combo a little bit better. So I've thought about just like getting in there lefty and trying to pull it. Just saying, you know, see what happens. Interesting. They said that about Mariano as well. Lefties had a, much tougher time with him than righties did because of the cutter. So, uh, yeah. I, I'd love to see it, man. I, I thought I thought it's Kershaw it. for sure. Yeah, I don't still don't know if I would have the the guts to go in there and I'm just going to run up there left handed. I might like bail out of the bike. Throw me one curveball. I'd be in the fetal position. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's almost maybe like a win for him if he just sees you come up there lefty. It's like yeah. Got him. Well, the other thing is, you know, if he goes to his scouting report and he has the right-handed scouting report, maybe they burn a mound visit. You know, maybe that oh, helps the team. Okay. I like, I like that. that. I like that. Okay. Is that I something it, players are talking about these days? Like, hey, hey, I bet I can get him to do a mound visit yeah, by a bat. <laughs> bet I can get him to burn one. I've never yeah. heard that one before, but that would be pretty good. Like, team guy <laughs> just goes up there to get yeah, him to burn yeah. a mound visit. Yeah. Dugout's just like... Good shit, good shit. <laughs> and then you flip around to the other side anyways <laughs> go got him yeah um i i want to ask because trev's a big cali guy um and you know we, i'm sure you've probably asked about this or see this around but i mean jumping into this baseball world there's california guys arizona texas florida um you know you're a pennsylvania guy you go to cincy i mean did you I want to know a little bit about the recruiting process and maybe a little bit about before that. I mean, were you going to the AAU tournaments, going to Florida and Cali and getting whooped on? Because we get some of those stories. What uh, what was a little of that process like? Yeah, so you only, you know, Western PA, you play 20 games as your high school season. And then, you you know, you play a couple months in the summer and that's it. So um, it's definitely tough to get recruited. It's tough to, to go play for some of those bigger schools. And that was always my goal. I wanted to play in the ACC. Um and I, you know, Maryland, Wake Forest, um, and somewhere else that I can't remember, Virginia Tech. Those were the three schools that like were looking at me and talking to me. And I was like, oh, God, I'd love to play there. Um, and I'm so happy I didn't because 
if I would have gone and played there, I would have sat on the bench for a year or two. You know, I would have been behind guys that were that were big money guys from from in state. That, and I got an opportunity to go to Cincinnati and play from day one. You know, I started my first game my freshman year. I started every single game that I was there for, um, and that was that was huge for me. Uh, so, the recruiting process. I didn't play a bunch of AAU tournaments. You know, we had a local team that traveled around. Um, kind of the, the tri-state there and maybe into Michigan or, or Illinois, but I was, I didn't make the East coast pro team. I didn't make the area code team. Like I didn't make team USA, even in college, I went to the Cape, uh, which was my huge break. Cause I got some, I got some exposure my senior year. Cause I, I played really well in, in high school and was able to get a, uh, a temp offer in the Cape. So I went up for two weeks before the big boys were supposed to come back, played well enough to stick. And that was kind of the difference maker for me. Um, where I was able to get that exposure. I hit a, a homer left-handed and a double right-handed in the all-star game. And I was a first rounder. Like, it was like, bang, you're a first rounder now. It's like, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's just great. <laughs> so um, that was kind of my big break. And even going, I never got an invite to go play for team USA my sophomore year. So I went back to the Cape and I wouldn't, I wouldn't have played for team USA because I loved my Cape experience so much. We had such a great coaching staff, but like, even as a guy who was established, who was just really needed to roll out of bed and just do what he had been doing to be a first rounder. I still, um, still really didn't get those that exposure. And I think part of it was playing for a team at Cincinnati where that was, we were really bad. Like, we were really bad. We lost a lot of games. And the other part was, you know, being from Western PA and just not having the same exposure. What, what's the temp at the Cape like? I never – I didn't know that was a thing. So they have guys come in for, like, the first couple games and if they're – and then the big guys come later? Is that what you said? Yeah, so with the College World Series and the playoffs, the Cape starts early June – and those guys are still either at the College World Series or in their Super Regionals. And if they ah. take if they take any time to like go home and pack and come, like it's probably two weeks before the full Cape is there. Um, so you go up on a temp contract, which is basically a two week audition. Um, and, and let's say that each team has six temps, like maybe one, two guys stick around um, or none. Uh, and so I was lucky enough that I went up there, um, played really well early. And was able to stick and, and be an all-star as a freshman, which was it was a huge difference maker for me. I mean, the exposure, um, and I was you know I was good at Cincinnati. I was a freshman All-American, and I, it was awesome. But you that deal that con that temp contract comes through in the fall, so you know where you're going to play in the fall going into that spring. So there's no way like I would have played well and gone from being in the Coastal Plains League or the Northwoods League, and then say like go oh, come to the Cape. So to have that. Uh, contract ready to go and then to be up be able to go up there and perform well that was um kind of the exposure i needed and the big jolt to my career does the cape league change so much like those first two weeks everyone's just like on pins and needles and like fighting tooth and nail for a spot and then the, then like then, then they come back from the world series and it's just like summer fun relaxed ball Seems yeah like it's it's such an interesting dynamic because you have guys from all over the country you have guys from the huge schools and you also have the best players from the smaller schools or from the small northeastern schools um and i think one of the funny things I i've talked about with with some people is when you would look at the lineup card in the cape it would always have the way our coach would write it it would have the the pitcher and where he was from and the hit and where he's from and so when you would look at the board and you'd see the pitcher that was from like a texas or a florida or you'd be like all right that's fine when you would look at the pitcher who was from like cal poly state tech you'd be like oh fuck why is that guy here he must be nasty <laughs> Like he had to do something crazy to get That's here. Awesome. So like, those were always the dudes where you were like, I don't know who this guy is, but he's definitely good. When did, uh, when 
in that summer did Jessica Biel get out of the swimming pool? You know, I never that's saw kind of her. What which I imagine weird. when I think of the Cape, yeah. that's exactly what I think about. Yeah, I don't know how I never ran into her. I was always looking, um, <laughs> but I guess I wasn't mowing enough lawns and cleaning enough pools to find her. <laughs> oh man, sorry. I just thought of that. that's all I think about when I hear about the Cape. I oh. didn't go to college, so that yeah. and Hall Pass does the Cape Cod League too, right? Where like they yeah. like hook up with the college oh. kids. So yeah, yeah, that's what it's all about. There you go. <laughs> well, I was the only one watching Freddie Prince, I guess. Yeah. Damn. He's a terrible pitcher. I would have taken Freddie Prince up top. Up like top. I, as a high schooler, I would just went to the Cape and took Freddie Prince up top. Dude, how stupid is he? Walks away from like a perfect game in front of scouts to, to just go tell a girl, like, see you later. Yeah. It's not yeah. the right girl. No. Sorry. It's no. love. Yeah. I want to hear about the podcast you started up. What have you guys been doing? You, you started up a podcast and you already have, you know, Big A-list actors joining. How's all this happen? Yeah, the power of the Cubs. Um, it's it's been awesome. Uh, so we we I had been wanting to get into podcasting. I thought it would be a cool way to connect with fans. Um, and I had these guys in the house, and I was like, "Hey, we're going to start a podcast." And you know, like nobody's going to listen. This is going to be stupid. And I was like, "No, seriously, we're just, let's just see how it goes." Like we had nothing else to do, so we started, and you know, had a couple teammates on, and you just kind of go through like people you've met. Uh, through the Cubs. So we had Jeff Garland on, uh, Jake Johnson. Um, we actually interviewed Jeremy Piven, and that one will be coming out soon. Um, so to have some of these people who are huge Cub fans who you know just love to talk baseball, I think one of the coolest experiences um, ha- has been how interested those guys are in our stories and talking to us and asking us questions. Like, I think Jake Johnson might have actually asked us more questions than we asked him, <laughs> which like for a dude who, you know, I've watched New Girl, I've watched Let's Speak Hops. Like I, I love his comedy. I think he's great. And just to like hear how much, how genuine of a Cub fan he is and how much he wanted to know about our stories. That was awesome. That, that is, is cool. awesome. Everyone says I sound like him on the breakdown videos, uh, but really just on those. Like that's the biggest thing. Is this Jake Johnson? But he's awesome. I love him. And the episode before that, you guys had your moms on. So you're just winning every wow. aspect of family. Yeah. We did Unreal. a Mother's Day special, a Mother's Day special featuring our moms. Um, and like they came on and told stories about us. And, and you kind of asked for like your favorite story as a kid. Um, <laughs> and that was, that was pretty cool. It was cool just because we had been away from them for so long, you know, being out here um, away from our families. And we really thought that people could relate to that because everybody's going through something similar. So it's called The Compound for anyone who wants to check it out. You yeah. guys already got like 400 reviews. Yeah, people, I mean, the people are supporting. It's been awesome. Yeah, it's called the compound because that's what we call this crazy house that we live in. Um, and me and one other guy that's that's uh, doing it with me, Dakota Mekis, um, we're going to drive back to Chicago together. Uh, and so we're going to do the podcast from the road this week. We're going to see how nice. that goes. It's awesome. Like that's that. fun. What's been I, What's been the biggest learning curve or the or the hardest part? I I do all the editing of it on GarageBand, and I think that that has been like, it's it's time consuming for sure, and making sure everybody sounds good. Um, you know, baseball players who are uh, employed or sometimes employed by a team makes it so that you can't say anything too crazy. So making sure that everything's, um, you know, the way that you want it, and and it's just it's time consuming. It really is, and putting interviews together. So the editing part has been. Uh, a challenge and it's been it's cool to learn a new skill though and I feel like I've gotten a lot better at that since episode one when I was like deleting the entire episode four times like what the fuck this isn't isn't working (laughs) have you guys recorded and forgotten to record yet 
No, the only recording issue we had uh, was actually during the mom's episode. And I, I had my mom on, we did an interview uh, and I went to put it into the piece and didn't exist. The file was corrupt, like didn't exist. And so we also did an ESPN interview for Mother's Day because we kind of a cool story where I hit a homer in my debut, which was the day before Mother's Day wearing a pink jersey. So we went on ESPN and did that story. Um, and that got messed up too. So in two days we had to redo two different interviews with her and she's like a college professor. She's like, what the, like, I can't be on TV anymore. Yeah. Like I'm done. (laughs) Well, in a way, maybe she's used to just repeating like, you know, a lecture a couple times a day. She's like, I'm good at this. I can do it. Yeah. As long as I've said it once, I could say it a million times. That's funny. Well, if you ever have any questions or need help with editing. Yeah. I'm I'm the idiot that always forgets my audio and. It's, it's yeah. that's no, the no. Worst you've just started, Trev. We've done it. We've recorded so many episodes, and then we're like, "Oh, that didn't record at all." Yeah, so I think the nice the nice thing for us is that we were we're all in the same place, and so yeah. we're just we're I'm literally hitting record, and we have one microphone. We have a you know a microphone that gets everybody. So, I think as we go our separate ways and continue the podcast, there's going to be more and more of that, and I'll just be getting so angry at everybody else. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. That sounds about right. That's awesome, man. That's cool. Yeah, thank you. Keep you guys are the guests I'm jealous of. Send us Jake Johnson. That'd be fun. <laughs> yeah. You should have a blast with him. I, I, uh, I got something, but I don't know how to like approach it. Okay. I'm going to just, uh, just bear with me here because I'm going to try to bring it all together. I'm looking at your stats. I'm looking at your baseball reference. I'm looking at your minor league stats. You've been a stud. You're drafted in the first round, ninth overall. You're a stud. Get to the big leagues. Your numbers are essentially the same as you were, they were in the minor leagues. 2017, you're eighth in the rookie of the year, 842 OPS. 2018, again, you played 142 games that year, 760 OPS, down a little bit, but still, still a good season at the plate. 2019 comes around, and I read up about this a little bit. You played what was it, Jake? 99 games in the minor leagues before you came back up to the big leagues. What? Like what happened? Like why? Trevor wants to fight someone on your behalf. I'm not happy about it because I, I, I you earned that. your spot there, and then all of a sudden, and I read the reason why. You know, they said that you needed to work on your contact. You were striking out a little bit too much. I just, I just don't buy it. You, you, you've been a stud. You've been putting up numbers, and all of a sudden you're in AAA. What, like, what was that? You had to be angry with that, right? Oh yeah. I mean, it's hard. It's hard. Uh, I think any time that you, you spend that much time with one group and the Cubs, we were a group that had been together for a long time. Um, you know, the guys before me had been together since 15, 16, won the world series together. And I came to be a part of that in 17 and, and really was a part of, um, coming from, uh, the, the world series hangover and, and, and being behind and then overtaking the division in 17, uh, putting a really good run together in 18 to win 95 games. And then to, be told two days before we break that hey man you're not coming with the team it's like the worst part of that was was that you feel like your teammates and your friends are going to into battle without you and that's all you were expecting to do so that that was the hardest part for me um but yeah i didn't understand it uh it was difficult to to swallow um and you're it's just out of your control i mean there was a lot of factors that went into it i think that uh statistically i felt like i had performed well enough to to be on the team, at least be one of the 25 guys that gets to wear the jersey. Um, uh, my, my OPS was not terrible. My on-base percentage was very good the year before. I had yeah. walked a ton. 
Um, and, and the strikeouts were high hundred percent. And, and it, you know, playing every day, I think it took me, it took me a month and a half or two months to stop being angry and start, you know, kind of figuring out what I need to do to get back. And that's a, that's a tough part of it. Cause when you don't have a timeline, it's like a, just drowning. Um, and so that part of it was difficult. I had a great year when I came back, which was super, super positive. Um, and, so and did I you think it helped you? That. Like, do you like, okay, so you go down, they say, work on your swing. We want you to make more contact. Um, you go down there. Obviously you're going to be mad. Like no one's going to be happy about that. Did you do yeah. something mechanically or was it just like, you just focused on maybe when you got the two strikes, you put the ball in play more. Cause that seems like that. I mean, you could easily fix your uh, strikeout percentage. If you just said, I'm not going to, I'm going to Oh two, I'm just going to shorten up and just try to put the ball in play. But is that what I'm just so confused with the whole dang thing. I, d- I don't like it at all, but did you m- make a mechanical adjustment? And if you did, what was it? Yeah, there's a couple of things there. I think the first thing is when you don't get to play every day in the big leagues, Hitting in the big leagues is so hard. Oh, my it's gosh. so hard. So uh, from a team standpoint with the Cubs and where we've been for the last few years is you're coming in and out, you know, of those 142 games, how many of those were um, defensive replacement roles in the 7th, 8th, 9th, um, in 18. And there's a lot of, that goes into that. And so I made a – I was basically told in the offseason of 18, like, hey, you need to strike out less. Okay. And I said, okay, I hit 15 home runs. You know, I hit 24 the year before. I hit 15 home runs. Um, you know, I want to be. I want to get back to the guy in 17 who was very, very good. And how do I how do I make that adjustment? And and so I, I overhauled my swing in the off season of 18, going into 19, um, doing stuff that I thought would help. I thought would uh, would make me better. It made me very, very bad. Uh, <laughs> I had an awful spring training. Um, but I was, but I was working on stuff in spring training. I was grinding out to second a lot because I was just swinging at high fastballs and putting them in play and trying to say, here, look, I, I can put the ball in play. Like <laughs> this is what spring training is for. Right. And then before I know it, I'm in triple a, and then you're trying to make the adjustment in games in triple a and you're pissed and you're wearing two flap and everything's wrong with the world. And then, uh, so when I got back to the big leagues, I'd had a really good July in AAA. I had figured some things out and gotten back to some of the things that made me good in 17. You know, that weren't adjustments that I had made. They were, hey, remember in 17 when you were a good player? Just go be good again. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with confidence and, and being able to play every day. Because in AAA, what were they going to say? Like, you're down? Like, no. It's like, it doesn't matter if you're hitting a buck 10. Like, you're, hit, you're, yeah. you're playing. So that was helpful. And then um, even when I got back to the big leagues, I wasn't – it wasn't all perfect. Um I put the ball in play more. My strikeout rate was better, uh, but I still wasn't getting enough hits. And then when we got knocked out, uh, Riz like destroyed his ankle, and I got to play some first before we were knocked out. And then when we really were knocked out, and guys who had played the whole season said we've had enough, um, I got to play every day. And and so those last ten days, two weeks, um, I got to play every day. I raked. I dominated. Uh, like three series in a row. I was the NL player of the week, reigning NL player of the week, by the way, uh, maybe oh, longest ever, time. maybe longest, maybe longest ever. Uh, but no, but that was like, that was the turnaround. Like when I really got to play every day and, and kind of put some of the stuff into play that I, that I knew I could do. Um, that consistency was, I was like, look, I can do this. Like I just, I just had a 900 OPS in the big leagues over 66 games or whatever, 50 games. It's like, I'm good enough to do this. It's just, 
got to go out you're there You're also 24 in 2019. I mean, like, you're coming right into the age where you're just going to blow up. I mean, this these next three, four years, they're going to be, you know, Ian Happ, best of the best years. Like, I'm not going to say service want, time manipulation. I'm not going to say that. I didn't well, say that. I didn't say it either. I was, I would have been, if I would have been up the whole year, I would have been a super two. Uh, I'm not going to say it, but I'm going to say it. Yeah, I'm not going to say it We're all not saying it. Yeah. I didn't Jake, say don't it. say it. Don't you not saying it. Yeah. But the, uh, I think the tough part is too, when you play for a good team and wins, you know, wins are really, really important. And when, you know, when the team thinks that you won't contribute to wins, um, that's a tough pill to swallow. And I think that part of it was like, it was like, man, they have 25 guys they think they could win with and not being a part of that group. Like that's a, that's a real gut punch. I don't think you can, Dude. you can, I mean, the, you being in the big leagues, you know, as much as you were 17 and 18 and then having to take that step back mentally, that's just like, it's a blow. And I don't know. I mean, people will say, Oh dude, you're, you'll be okay. It's, it's just like you said, you want to be there with the guys um, that you played with the last two years and anybody that plays professional baseball, the only thing you want is to be in the big leagues. Like there's no happy medium. It's like, Oh, I'm in, I'm in triple. No, dude, it's big leagues or bust. That's it. I earned my spot. And now you're telling me to go back and re earn it again. Doesn't when you've right been, when you've been in the big leagues for two years too, and like gotten accustomed to that lifestyle and, and like made Chicago your home. And I spent two off seasons, not in Chicago exclusively, but kept my place. And like, it, it really had become home for me. <laughs> and then, then they're like, Hey man, uh, the Southwest flight leaves at 5 AM and you know, you can check into the Marriott, uh, when you get home and cause we don't know how long you're going to be there. So don't get a place. And also we're not going to pay for your place in Chicago. And you're like, awesome. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. This is, this is what I signed up for. Oh, man. So that's that. I mean, it's just an adjustment. It just, and everybody goes through some sort of version of that. I think throughout their career, you know, even the guys on our team that are super established. Um, yes. Riz got sent back, Javi got sent back, Schwab got sent back, uh, KB is a legend. Um, but, like, it ha- it, everybody goes through some sort of that process, and unfortunately for me it was a longer period of time, and, and it will affect the way I get paid for the rest of my career. But, like, it's just it's what happens. It's, it's how it goes. That's crazy. Well, you said you dominated <clears throat> the end of the season. Trev, I'll read off the numbers for you because you're yeah, like this. Last 17 games, last 45 plate appearances, 395 batting average, 907 slugging, 1.329 OPS. Reigning reigning player of the week. Yeah. Okay. Now let's let's keep keep those at bats going into this spring training. Uh, I mean, 27 at bats this spring, 481 batting average, (laughs) 1.315 OPS. You've been hot. Yeah. (laughs) It's just just gonna keep going. As soon as we come back, yeah. Same stuff. I love it. Let's for talk. sure, you know what it was that that got you on this streak. It for sure was those ninety nine games in AAA. They, that's exactly <laughs> yeah. what it was. Yeah, those yeah. are always the ones that help. I think I think coming coming back up and being able, you know, to say that in that period of time, you know, I hit eleven home runs and had some of the production that I was looking for, and that it it was able to carry me through the offseason and really put me in a place this spring where I was super confident coming in and can say like, look, this yeah. is, I I feel like this is my job and I can go play and. It was it was definitely nice. It's awesome. Let's talk about the other side of the ball. You've played every position besides shortstop and catcher. You pitched for an inning. Do you have a love? Do you have like your heart at one spot, or 
It's a great do you, question. Do you like being all around? Uh, I think there's a balance. I think when you first come up, um, just getting on the field and being able to play anywhere, it's huge, uh, especially when you're playing for Joe Madden, just like the, cause he'll, he will literally put you anywhere. I had not, I had come up as a second baseman. So I you know, played at some outfield in college, but I came up as a second baseman, basically them saying like, Hey, we want you to play second. And Hoppy wasn't established yet. And Addison was the shortstop. And it was kind of like, you know, there's going to be a spot on the field somewhere. So then I get up and I'm playing right field in game one because because Hayward's hurt, uh, and then I'm playing center field, and I hadn't played center field since college, and so like I just got thrown into the fire. So for me, um, kind of the cool experience of being in AAA, as you know, everything else was not great, but playing center field for 99 games. You know, I played like maybe a couple games at second, but for the most part, I played just a ton of center. So getting to play there every day and learn the position, I felt really confident and it was something I hadn't gotten to do in my professional career yet because I was really confident at second base when I called the big leagues and then became an outfielder. So <laughs> I think that that, that part of it, because you get labeled so quickly as like either bad at everything defensively or like really good at one thing. I don't think anyone's ever like this guy's a utility guy and he's awesome at all the positions. Like he should win yeah. a gold glove at nine. <laughs> so I think even you know being a good athlete and really, I played really a good second base my first year in the league. Like I played a lot of games. I made two errors and one of them was like on a diving play. Like I was like, I'm a good second baseman. Like I can do this and you get labeled as a bad defender. And so for me to be able to lock down one position and like be able to do it consistently and, and kind of prove that I can I can play defensively somewhere, that would be great. It, do you – so sometimes analysts, pundits, or whatever, like I think Jake and I have done it for some Yankees players before, do you tie your batting statistics to the position you're playing that day at all? Like, you know, sometimes people are like, well, f- for you, your your best numbers actually come when you're a pinch hitter, which is bullshit. Like, how the fuck Gla- are you so good Glaber, at pinch hitting? Glaber had but- <laughs> massive splits. When Glaber played shortstop, his numbers were better than when he was playing second base. So people said that. He's more comfortable. Does that even – is that real at all? Uh, I'll touch on one thing about my pinch hitting. Might be the best pinch hitter of all time. Look those yes. Your pinch hitting I'm numbers a, are a bullshit. I'm a nasty pinch hitter. I am a nasty pinch hitter. Trev, you What's see this these? trick? Dude, I'm, 296, I'm, I'm at pinch 296 batting average, 409 OPS, 1.057 OPS as a pinch hitter. Like, that's bullshit, man. No one's supposed to be that good at pinch hitting. Yeah, but you got to go. You got to get some more bats in AAA. You're not. <laughs> yeah. I rake. Not ready yet. Um, I, think, I think the most difficult part, I don't have one position I, I think I like rake at, but I do, I do think that not knowing where you're going to play and the preparation that goes into not knowing where you're going to play can affect um, hitting and, and not knowing if you're going to be able to play one position for the entire game or, you know, I think that, that it's all part of it. And I had a great teacher in Ben Zobris who was able to tell me like the way that he prepared and the way that he thought about it. And he was back and forth all over the place. And one of his mantras was to just be as vanilla and as safe as possible. You just, you play the ball off the wall, you hit the cutoff man in the chest, like just whatever, because if you're playing more than one position, you just don't try to do too much because that's when you get yourself in trouble. And that was something that I really learned a lot from him and watching him was just the consistency that he was able to go out there and, and play the game. If, uh, if the Cubs are up, you know, the division's locked up, you got 10 extra games, are you going to go tap Rossi on the shoulder and be like, hey, man, I never caught or played short, only two I haven't. 
I don't need to catch. I don't think uh, I would love to play shortstop just for okay. like, just give me an inning at short. I think if I get an inning at short, then maybe at some point I'll be like, Hey man, uh, if there's a position player throwing, just let me sit behind the dish. I uh, like catching's terrifying. I don't really want to do it, but I think that playing shortstop, like to have eight of the nine would like, how's shortstop the one that I don't have, you know? Well, only the creme de la creme of athletes make it as a big league oh shortstop. So it's like, you know, that's your last <laughs> how, one. How quickly were you kicked from short? <sighs> what? How quickly were you kicked from short? Like I'm just saying, games? like, to be a big league shortstop, it's, you have to be really super athletic and, like, pretty much the I, best athlete out there. So That's why I just want one inning. I don't claim to be the most athletic. I just want the one. I just want three outs. I, like I don't what know you're what saying the that. Twins were thinking. I don't know. I like what you're saying about uh, a non-catcher catching when a position player pitches. Just make the whole battery, yeah. you know, first timers. That's the only way I would do it. I would never catch an actual pitcher. You couldn't pay me enough money to like sit back there and be like, "Hey, man, you know, call the game and then and then catch it." I was like, "I'm just gonna get hit in the face mask ten times." Like, I'm not doing that. I just had Especially a really good. Throw now, Trev. I had a real good hypothetical on Twitter. I just tweeted out, and it was, "Would you rather catch an Araldis Chapman fastball, full catcher's equipment?" but you have two cleats on your hands or no catcher's equipment, but a catcher's glove. Catcher's glove. But you don't have a face mask. So what? Or a cup. Or a cup. Yeah. What, what if he spikes it? The, you're going to go like this? With the, with but you got cleats? a mask on at least. Do you have to, yeah. you don't, I mean, you don't have to catch it. Can you get it out of the way? Like you can't possibly catch Ooh. it with spikes on your hands. Can you just like dive I mean, out of the way? Do you I think it's so. going to feel good fast. to get hit with an Aralda Chapman fastball because you have a face mask on no but it's not gonna kill me could be better than death <laughs> i don't know i think i don't wow. know <laughs> well, easy how, question for me how about when you got tapped into pitch when you took when you got on the mound was that uh were you eager to do that did you volunteer that, that was awesome i uh we were getting smoked by the cardinals and joe was trying to save some arms and so rizzo had always wanted to pitch like always wanted to pitch but we we were out like we needed somebody in the seventh eighth and ninth so i believe caratini threw the seventh mm-hmm. um he threw the eighth he threw the eighth yeah did i throw the ninth yeah okay so risk got one out in the seventh because he's got he got one out and so <laughs> caratini came in i think gave up a hit a couple hits or home run or something and then i got the ninth so when i i wasn't in the game yet so i when I found out that I was maybe going to pitch, I ran to the locker room. My brother was living in the city with me at the time, and I texted him. He wasn't at the game, so I wasn't starting. I texted him. I was like, you got to get down here. I think I might pitch. And I was like in the sixth. So I come you know, I come back down. I'm ready to go. I go out there, and Joe's, don't blow out, whatever you do. I'm like, okay. So first batter, Harrison Bader. I th- I'm throwing four seams. I'm like, I'm going to sneak it above his barrel. I got this. Like, 1-0. <laughs> And then first, like first strike I threw was just a bang, like right center, 180 miles an hour double. It's like okay, that's not great. <laughs> then I get Jerko. I start throwing two seams. I'm like, well, I'm gonna change it up. We're gonna start just the gravity ball, sink it in. I get Jerko jam sandwich, pop up to short, strand the guy at second. I get uh, Colton Wong to roll over to Javi at second. Okay, so now we got man on third, two outs, two zero to Dexter. And I get another nice gravity ball down and away. Dexter rolls over to Javi out of the inning. No runs. I was like walking off the mound. Like, Did you keep the ball? I don't know if I kept anything. Uh, 
I think I was like, I had a massive adrenaline. I was like so happy to get out of it and like not have my arm fall off. I think I was throwing like 75. Was Contreras calling for, was he putting down signs for you? Uh, yeah, I think it was just once we never even, I was like, I was like, dude, I'm only throwing fastballs. Cause I, I never wanted to be the guy that came in and like was throwing 95. Like I can't throw 95, but like was trying to throw hard or was spinning it because like I had face guys that like will do that or like throwing sidearm or something. And I was like, I'm just, look, if you're going to get hit, you're going to get hit. Like I'm going to try to get you out and not throw right down the middle, but like, so we can get the fans out of here. But like, I'm not going to try to trick you because I know how hard it is up there. Would you have been insulted if a guy switched and, and batted uh, the other way? Like Javi batted lefty versus the uh, position player pitching? I don't think I would have been insulted, but if the swing was ugly and he had this like tapped one back, I would have been like, the fuck are you doing? But like Javi like, almost hit a fucking homer, so it's it kind of like – It's a beautiful hey, swing. Yeah. Damn. It's pretty cool. All right. That's I got, cool. This is one question I always like to ask guys, especially hitters. Who's the guy that you face – that dominates you like who's your who's your guy that you're like i can't so it's kershaw i'm looking up numbers right now i mean yeah i see i see that i have a few guys here that you don't like i've also looked at the guys that you bang so that's going to be the next question oh love that but um let's just start with this guys that i do not hit well and that i've actually faced a lot i would say trying to think i mean trying to think in the division some of the Brewers uh, starters, yep. I don't, I don't do that hot against. Uh, yep, that's the I one guy I was looking at. I don't think I've done very well against um, Davies, but I have walked some. That's my guy that I was looking at, Davies. You have the most yeah. at bats against him without a hit, I think. Yeah, I've walked against him, and I've, I've started a, I've started a train of, of walking, but no, I don't, don't hit him well. Um, but I'm trying to think. Besides that, I do pretty well in the division. That's kind of like. I've been pretty successful in division. All right, let's go to the next question then. The guys that you bang. You mentioned in division. I can go to one team specifically, the Cardinals. I, I think I've hit Wainwright very well. I think Carlos Martinez very well. Um, Waka. Wayne, Wainwright. <laughs> yeah, it's big. Six for 11 with yeah. two homers and a double. Yeah. 583 got, on base percentage. I've got Ivan Nova. Uh, Yes. I've hit I hit a home run on each of his three pitches. So when he got traded oh, to the cool. White oh. to the White Sox, I was a little sad. Um, <laughs> and the Reds guys, like the Reds, have a whole so, new coaching staff now, which is unfortunate. But uh, I've hit some homers against the Reds. So you I mean you say in division, and uh, a lot of your a lot of the guys you've hit home runs off of, you've hit more than one home run off of. Like I think there's eleven guys. So is it a comfort thing? Are you diligent with note taking and, and prepping, prepping, and remembering what these guys how they faced you? Yeah, I think like the I don't know. This might sound weird, but the way that I kind of visualize and see guys is I see the shapes of their pitches right before it's thrown. Like you see the shape in your head, and so you kind of know like what two pitches look similar or like. So if it's a if it's a guy that throws a, a fastball changeup curveball, like I can kind of say like, all right, if I eliminate the curveball the fastball and changeup looks similar um so i can stay on those two pitches and i know where i'm trying to hit it and the more you face guys i think that's the crazy thing about getting sent down to AAA. if people think you stink it's like well i don't get to see these guys and i don't get to learn i don't get to get better so the like wh- why that i think i have had a lot of success in division is because i've just seen them so much more 
and I get starts in the division because early in my career, I did well in the division. And so that breeds like, hey, when we're playing in the division, you're going to get a start because you've done well. And when, you know, the first time around the NL West, when every team won 90 games and the Dodgers and the Rockies and, you know, Arizona, and they were all good and you don't get hits. So then the next time you play them, you don't get a start. And then you don't get enough at bats to like, oh, I understand how this guy throws and what it looks like. And so I think that that's, it's just a process of being a big league. There's a reason Anthony Rizzo hits everybody because he's seen a pitcher who looks like that guy. Like when you come back in the dugout and he's like, this guy reminds me of Joe Schmo from 2012. And you're like, the fuck? But like once you're in the league for three or four years, like you can kind of put it together like, all right, this guy is similar to Carlos Martinez and like, like Luis Castillo, the reason why I hit him well when he first came up is because he his shit was very similar to Carlos Martinez, and like that's kind of some of the similarities that you start to put together. Trev was telling us how he had a batter, uh, a kind of a mirror batter in the league. That if you wanted to see how a guy was going to pitch him, he would go look at this guy and see how that guy got pitched. Do you have someone like that where you'll check to see how the pitcher faced them because they'll probably face you the same? Good question. Uh, around the league is I don't have someone around the league. I think I watch a lot of the way that guys pitch war before I hit uh, from a lefty perspective. I think guys will pitch us pretty similarly. Um, uh, I but around the league, that's a great question. Um, it's tough because like you don't want to like I would like to to think like I watch a lot of Josh Donaldson swing right handed because I like his moves and I think. You know, mine's a, a unathletic, different version of his. But like, I, I I would think that guys would try to attack us in similar ways. But like, he also is an MVP, so it's like guys aren't going to attack me the same way they would attack Josh Donaldson because they're terrified of his thump. Like, you have to find guys that you think you you swing similar to and that also have like similar holes to you. So, um, yeah, that's a good question though. What um let's let's go back and it's it's funny that it's like it's almost weird to talk actual baseball because like for this year because a we don't know what's going on and b before this I mean all the corona stuff was crazy but we um and Trev let me know if I if I overstep my boundaries and I'm interested to see but uh, Jason Kipnis because he played in the AL Central a decade ago knows Trevor um, he was on to start this and you know he's he's a guy that plays one of your positions. Um, and uh, I wonder how, how does that relationship go? I mean, is it day one shake hands? I know I click around a lot of internet websites and a lot of places have you penciled in for outfield. Um, but I guess the Cubs and you and some of your relationships with these new guys or what, what you mentally had yourself penciled in for this year? That's a great question. Uh, I'll tackle the, the last part of that first is that I, you know, I think that for me, it'll be more of an outfield role this year. Um, but I think the Cubs have done a great job of bringing in guys that you would compete for a position with, like a John Jay or a Jason Kipnis, who are incredible human beings and great teammates. Um, and I think that that has made it very easy to root for your teammates, to make sure that you feel like you're making each other better and that it's not a malicious competition. Um, so I would applaud the Cubs on like the types of people they brought in for those roles. Uh, and, and, you know, John Jay and I split a lot of time my first year. Uh, I actually, I came up and, and ended up playing a lot of a center field when he was a guy that was signed to kind of 
take most of the right-handed bats. Um, and he was nothing but like the best dude in the world. He was a, he was basically an extension of our coaching staff. And when we needed him in, in August, September, when they finally let him start to play a little bit more, he was a huge impact for us and started in the playoffs and was able to help us beat the nationals in the playoffs that year. So like, that's the type of dude that like when I, you know, for being a rookie and being able to see that selflessness and the way that he played and how positive he was, um, I will, I think for the rest of my career, I think he's one of the best teammates I have ever and will ever have. So I think that that, like that made it a lot easier and kind of clear for me to see how the relationship should work. I'm a big John Jay guy. I mean, I've known him for a long time. We have mutual friends. I'm a big Miami baseball player guy. I love all those guys. Um, but yeah, Kip is the same way to me. Like you said, like these two are just genuinely good human beings and they want to compete, but they know how to do it in a way that's like, we're all like a rising tide raises all ships. We're all going to be in this together and we're all going to get better. And then whatever happens, happens. And I think the guys that are the good veterans um, that don't try to demean younger players and make them feel like shit, those guys understand because they've been around long enough that you don't know what it's going to look like 20 games into the season, 30 games into the season. Like somebody can get hurt. Somebody can get hot. Um, anything can happen. And you know that whatever spring training is supposed to look like and pencil in it as you can, the one thing that you can be sure of is that's not what it'll look like at the end of the year. So the guys that are good vets and they, and they understand that and they don't put too much pressure on what happens in the first 20 games of the season. Those are the dudes that, that I've always tried to stick with. Does the news of a DH excite you? Because as a super utility, being able to yeah. play everywhere, I mean, that opens up a lot of options for Cubs guys to go get a day DH and you can replace them in the field no matter what the position. It's got to be yeah. exciting. Yeah. I think huge for us as a team, I think because we have kind of the best NL DH ever in Kyle Schwarber, but also because <laughs> our catching situation with um, Victor Caratini, who's, who's fantastic and a switch hitter, and also Wilson Contreras, who's, you know, the – all the last two all-star games start catching. So um, I think it gives them a chance to get more bats. Um, it gives us a chance to spell Riz and like all that stuff for our team. It does, it does wonders, but it's also the DH is 400, 500, 600 more plate appearances between spread out between however many guys you want to give it to. And if you give me a hundred of those 500 or 600 plate appearances each of the last two years or 17 and 18, I guess when I was up for the full season, that's, 550 and 550 at bats for two years like that's a huge huge difference so i think those at bats just in general being able to have any amount of them is, is huge yeah but you you know it's what's funny is that'll bring almost bring the end to pinch hitting like there will still be some pinch hitting i don't know what you guys are going to do specifically as a team yeah. but my experience in the al is but they're changing is, it trev now with the four mandatory four bench spots like that may help it because, you know, the last couple of years teams have only had three guys on the bench and one's the backup catcher. So pinch hitting's been dead in the AL for a while. But mandating that twenty-six guy being a a bench guy will help a little bit because I still want pinch Possibly. hitting to be part of the game. I don't I know think- if it will. I mean, you, you, maybe. Um, but you know, the biggest thing that will happen is you'll get actual days off, and in the National League, there's yeah, no such so. thing as like a real day off. Unless you're so. unless you're a guy. Unless you're a guy, a guy, and they say you've played ten in a row. I don't care what happens today. You're not hitting like that's even then, dude. Even you have then, those it games. happens. It's like ten. You're in the tenth inning. Like <laughs> fuck. Like I got to put my spikes on or whatever. Yeah. 
the way that the way that it's been talked about for us, um, and I think for some of the other NL teams, is that the roster construction, because nobody knew this was coming, um, was was constructed more for some of the platoon roles and some for guys that were specifically supposed to pinch it. And so I think there will be more in the NL at least this year, probably next year, that than you've seen in the AL. But it's like over time, how will that develop? Like teams are just teams love to have guys that they can swap in and out and play the video game with and say like this guy's supposed to get hits against this guy so i think that you know there's teams are constructed that way where you're not gonna you're not gonna see nine guys that go play every or eight guys that go play every day and then just guys that are pinch runners or bench guys i gotta ask about madden because i i want to know the inner workings of the dress-up days and the costumes and bringing a penguin into the clubhouse and a magician and all that shit. Like how, how do you find out that there's like a Joe Madden event in the clubhouse happening? Uh, you know, some of them come from Joe or came from Joe and some, some will come from players. I think he was really open, especially as the years went on because 15 and 16, I'm sure they were more Joe, uh, centric events but as 17 18 19 like he would ask players like what do you guys want to do and it would be like riz would have a day or lester would have a day and like dress up as strophy day like stuff like that where it was more coming from the players uh and less coming from joe um and i think that what people never got to see kind of behind the scenes was our strength coach tim bust who was an absolute legend um in the game he was the strength coach for the cubs for 19 years um, probably the longest 10 years strength coach ever in baseball. Like this dude is an absolute legend. Um, and he coordinated a lot of some of that stuff. Uh, he would, uh, he was the, the heart and soul of our team. He would do everything um, to keep guys up. He was like our mental skills and every part of it as the strength. Like he had so many different hats that he wore. And so I think like that was an underrated part of, of our team. And Joe took him to Anaheim. So we, we have missed him, but, but that, that dude is, is a special, special human. I love that. I love that he gets a shout out right here because like you said, I never heard of that. I've never heard of him, but uh, I'm sure that anybody that's coming into contact with him will share the same sentiment as you. So I'm glad that he's getting some, some airtime right now, man. Yeah. His, his stories, uh, because you know, 19 years he was with Sammy and with Mr. Ramirez and like Greg, Matt, like all these dudes. Um, and to hear his stories and when, um, Wrigley was before it was redone, there was only one weight room and the visitors would have to come over and work out in the tiny home weight room. And so he got to know all the dudes across the league and anybody who played the central, um, you know, until up until 2017, like knew him well, and he's just the best dude ever. And, and I think that that. You know, Joe's coaching staff he's put together in Anaheim is really, really good. And I think one of the keys to that is Tim Buss. Buss is such a good name for a strength coach. It's two yeah. S's, too. It's perfect. Yeah. I, I was going to ask and go go back to Madden a little bit because uh, me and Jimmy have seen this for a while. We're, we're naturally Yankees fans. That's how this all started. So we saw, you know, throughout the Rays years and as it developed. And, you know, I – being a manager nowadays, a lot of it is taking the player's mind off it and distractions. And Madden, you know, did that to mm-hmm. big levels, whether it was the Penguin or the Magician. And I, uh, kind of like when Trevor was talking about pitchers you rake against and pitchers who got you. 
What's what's like the one highlight that jumps out that you're like, damn, there's a penguin in the locker room. This is pretty cool. And what's the one low light that you're like, all right, I'm kind of in a slump right now. Get this magician out of my face. <laughs> oh man, that was a that's a good one. Um, I'm trying to think of like the best Joe thing that we did. I think one of the coolest things and probably was the coolest for me because I it, I hadn't been in the big leagues yet and it was 17 coming off the World Series. Um, we had that like every spring training with Joe was awesome, but that spring training was like nothing could go wrong. You know, this team had just won the world series. Everybody loved, loved every single player on the team. Uh, and so this has to do with Tim bus, but they, they rented him a um, Ferrari and Ferrari came. He, he drove it from the parking lot around the corner. It was white convertible and comes onto the agility field for stretch and so he was literally driving it around as he was leading the stretch and he always loved to talk about you know, the playoff share that he got and how uh how much the team had changed his life and so that was that was a, a really memorable one and the other one would have been him um leading stretch in a wrestling uh, outfit like nacho mm. libre so just the mask and the uh, <laughs> underwear which was fantastic those were the two and joe just let him do his thing during spring training so like every spring training with joe was was awesome i'm trying to think of like the one where i was like i have no desire to do this um i can think i can think of one that it wasn't that bad but we we, we all got uh, custom biker uh jackets for a road trip and so it had like happer on it and like like this big like bald eagle on the back and I decided to go no undershirt under it. And mm. I got, and so like we had, would have to walk to the buses cause there's no, there was no under hang at Wrigley. You had to walk across the street to the parking lot to get on the bus. And so as I'm walking out and you're being photographed and you're in front of all the fans, I looked down or actually I got to my phone and like had seen the pictures get on social media and I realized how bad my farmer stand was and like how, and how tough it was for me to be sleeveless. And at that point I was like, wow, that's a tough look. <laughs> those aren't going anywhere those are on the internet forever yeah forever and, and now i'm gonna go google and that's right i mean you're gonna have a farmer stand playing baseball right oh it's yes. a guarantee and like baseball and golf are my two things and like there's pants and there's a collared shirt so there's there's no getting away from it. i have uh one more pressing question It'd be my last when you step in the box first jay hat is there pride on the line there are you there like, was there was he punched my ticket Oh, okay. Oh. He got you? He got me. Yeah, we played Toronto, Toronto in 17. You know, we're not related. I don't know him at all. I've never spoken a word to him. Uh, but Not I even did. like a head nod, like a Jeep head nod where you're like, no, I, know, I know what's on the line here. I wish, you know, as a rookie, like, he was he was very established. So, like, there, I, there was no way that I was going to, like, run up to him at Wrigley, like, as we're stretching and be like, hi, Jay. Like, I'm also half. How are you doing? So, Yeah. yeah. So uh, we ended up facing each other at 17 and he struck me out pretty quickly and maybe even got me out multiple times. And I know that I didn't get a hit off him and he was a bad matchup for me with some high four seamers and big curveballs. And uh, I put way too much pressure on myself that day. <laughs> Hopefully we get another matchup because I would, I would like some redemption. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's oh for three, three Ks. That he, so, right. so he knew. So he, he, knew. he knew he knew he, he was had, knew there was they had a good report against me right-handed i i hit very well left-handed against them but right-handed not not so hot 
Hap's I almost came too. out and said he's in the book, and then I looked at my stats against him, and he's not in the book. Ah, Ooh. I am one for eight against him, so I am in his book more than yeah. anything. But so, always, so I'm happy I didn't come out and say that. Always tough when you think you got somebody and they they've dominated. I'm trying to think who it would be that I thought. What's the equivalent? Like, how does a pitcher say that? Like, you know, I get, you're in my book. What What's the pitcher? Do the terminology is it just if they K you? Because it's kind of different. It is, is different. It, I don't know. I mean, like, if you pump someone once, they're in your book. So it's like it's all you need. It's, it's all you need. The pitcher, I think, to like say like I own you or like you're an out. I think maybe they say that like he's an out. Yeah, um, I, J. Yeah. Hap could say I'm an out. He would also say that he dominates me. Yeah, so they have that. But then with hitters, it's so cool. Like I said, all you have to do is pump them once. And then for them, you'd be like, dude, you're supposed to win. Like, you guys win yeah. all the time. That is funny. It's just we have an out. Yeah. Cool. Who, hey, man. who am I thinking of? Yeah. Lance keep, Lynn. Keep digging for soft-throwing lefties that you hit homers off, Trev. Who's uh, Aaron Sanchez, I, I'm a golf- Marco Estrada. I'm a golfer as well. Who, who are the golfers on the Cubs? Who's the Cubs golf squad? Yeah, me and Lester are kind of the – the two that have been playing for a while. Uh, Rizzo just got pretty heavy into it in the last couple of years. He loves it. Um, and Schwarber, Schwarber likes golf. Um, that's kind of the group. Like, John and I played a lot in 18. Um, kind of the, whatever the best course was in the city, we'd just go out and play. And you know, his, his role deck was pretty long. Been around for a while, so that was a, a nice one for me to piggyback. <laughs> Good ally. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Trev, you still racking your brain over there? I'm, look, I'm trying to look it up. I'm sorry. I'm just. <laughs> I, All right, man. Whenever I get to hey. talk about myself being a good baseball player, I try to do it. So everybody needs yeah. a fluff. <laughs> I, I got yeah. it. I'm looking it up. I'm gonna get it. Okay. Just the other up. question that we like to ask sometimes is: Is there a defensive highlight of yours that you go back and watch every now and then? You're like, that was fucking awesome. Yeah, I think when you when you play as many positions, it's like. But the one that does stick out to me, uh, and it's not even that cool, it's just uh, – I was playing second base in Miami my first year, and uh, D. Gordon hit me a ground ball up the middle to my backhand, and I made a nasty play and got him out, and he's fast as hell. So that was like – and it's on like one of the YouTube highlight reels that you can go on and taste yourself with. So oh, like I said, I've seen that one before. Our, like our computer system that we the Cubs have, where we can basically watch any play that's ever happened in the history of the world. Um, usually, you just use it for hitting, like going to find a def. I wouldn't even know how to go about finding a defensive play that I've made. Yeah, it's more hitting is way more cool to look at. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if you know this. I have a show that we go over highlights, and oh, I've used this platform to get guys on that show. Maybe wow. we'll exchange information. Just it's a, a taste, taste yourself. Session? It's a taste yourself oh, session. That is wonderful. That's We're what we do. We're a pro taster pod. We're yeah. a pro taster. I that did. Fi- glorious. <laughs> we'll, we'll hook it up. I did find the guys who I thought was Jay who was Hap. it? Well, it was either Aaron Laffey or Brett Cecil. Because I, I knew it was yeah, Toronto. That, made, that makes sense. I think Don't Brett, bring Cecil Brett Cecil is who I was this, thinking. Dude. That's mean. Brett Cecil. Aaron Laffey. He was an all star, dude. Like he, Whatever, man. Yeah. yeah. Cecil okay. is nasty. And there you have it. I was excited to ask about the Battle of the Haps because you know both guys know what's going on. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. Like, Trav, imagine there's another ploof in the league 
but he's not related to you, and he's a pitcher. When you step into that box, you know what's going on. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely competition. Um, I I think, for me, Ploof, I would just start laughing because, like, what a ridiculous name. Hap is kind of one of those names. Like, oh, I could see how other people would have that last name. But uh, he was pretty good. Uh, I had a J.A. Hap um, – don't know a better word, but I had a Jay hat brain fart on this uh, on the episode we all heard. I thought I'd take him up top. I didn't. But, um, yeah, this guy was great. Like, Ian, I was kind of, like, not in a great mood before the interview, you know? And then this happened, and uh, I feel pretty good now. You know what is weird? His pinch hitting numbers are so good. Yeah. Scary thing to be good at in the NL. You know, what if like that becomes a shitty thing? They're like, ah, oh, we're not going to start you today because we want to just slide you in wherever we can at the right moment. That's where uh, we talked about it in versatility and we danced about it, but I thought about asking and it sounds like a kind of too reportery, but like, do you ever feel like your versatility hurts you? Like, do you ever feel like if you just said, hey, I play second base that you'd get slotted in second base at some point? Um, and, but we danced around that combo a little bit and I, I got enough out of that. Um, Trev, do you get, I know we've talked about this a little bit when guys start talking about like, yeah, you know, I was, I was on the all freshman team in college and I raked and I started every game. Do you get a little bit of the college college jealous? Like that was probably a good time, huh? Cape league. I mean, would I have had fun in college? Absolutely. (laughs) Trev just Uh, tells them about the wet t-shirt in the booty shaking contest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, it's, I had a college experience my first few years of pro ball. I tell people all the time, I was an idiot. I partied too much. I, you know, was doing extracurricular stuff too much probably. But, you know, when you're that age, it kind of just comes to the territory. You're not smart enough to understand what's going on. I wasn't. And maybe some guys are. Maybe some guys are mature enough to just go about their business. But when you're 18, 19, 20 years old, they gave you some money. You're traveling. Like, you're going to be an idiot. So maybe I would have done better in college. No, is mature enough? Cole Tucker. Yeah. Gosh. Jesus. He's my guy, dude. Talking baseball legend, Cole Tucker. Man. Someone in the comments was saying, uh, it was like some team, like, when are you going to get a guy from this team on? Which I love. I love listeners being like, when are you going to get someone from my Mariners. team on? Was it Mariners? Yeah. Okay. So, producer BBD, just, I, I saw A's as well. And I was like, all right, let's get it. I got A's you know? ties. Through, through umpire out there. I got to say, you guys know who, like, my number one, number one guy is. Your dad? Matt Chapman. Oh, Chapman. Um, I'm getting, like, new guys. Like, okay. I haven't really been, you know, seeing him on the TV doing his thing, and we're talking to other guys. I feel like I'm kind of, like, in this – I have mistresses or something. Mm. Like, I'm getting new guys. Oh, okay. So, Matt Chapman was your guy. Like, he's my main yeah. piece, and now all of a sudden, he's not on my TV all the time. I'm still texting him. My bad. But because I'm seeing these other guys, I'm around these other guys, like, I'm kind of, like, getting that, like, am I having an affair with these other guys? Like, mm. Cole Tucker's, like, maybe my main guy. Like, Oh, shit. Okay, well, if anyone has a direct line to Matt Chapman, can you just let him know that like we need to get him on the show otherwise Trev's going to feel like he's cheating on him Jack Flaherty's my main main guy but he's a pitcher <laughs> yeah. so, so we need a main guy hitter yeah. main guy hitter okay all right so the other just, issue uh, the other issue is that Chapman you know he's also 27 now it's kind of aging out of Plouffe's 
interest. Yeah. yeah. Um, Oof. Mm. I'm a young. I'm. It's a young man's sport, and the young <laughs> men take my heart. But I'll tell you what, Chapman. I mean, he's got the soul and the body of a young player. Mm. He's in his prime. People say that shit about Jake a lot too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm oh gonna my try god. Chappie on. Let me just say this. I'm gonna try to get Chappie on here. He doesn't like doing this stuff. So I've connected to Chappie to too. It. You want me to okay. get Chappie? Yeah, reach reach out. Race. Race Who's is on connect? official. I know. Who Everyone, you're get ready. Streppers, yeah. Jake, Race. Okay. I mean, I'll, I'll, I can text him right now. I just did an interview with NBC Bay Area. I got a I got a connection How'd too. That go? <laughs> it was cool. Jake sucks. Hey, this would be good fodder for the outro music. Uh, we got an email today at, at John Boy Media that was some 5'3 young looking kid who said that I should do something about looking young and then like get it out to the people. So, yeah.